Do you suffer with chronic pain? Are you taking risky, over-the-counter, or prescription anti-inflammatory drugs? This is Dr. Ronald Hoppe with a better natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals, Liquid Turmeric Liposome Complex. Future Farm's liquid turmeric with liposomes and nanotechnology delivers maximum absorption for effective pain relief. Sourced and manufactured in the United States, this product contains 1,600 milligrams of curcumin and powerful antioxidant properties. This plant-based curcumin is used to possibly reduce inflammation, block proteins that trigger swelling, and intercept inflammatory pathways, significantly decreasing inflammatory responses. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Don't live with pain when there's an all-natural, science-based remedy that works. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's subject is the microbiome and its relationship to health. We're visiting uh, with one of our favorite contributors. He's Dr. Ross Pelton. Uh, Dr. Pelton is a PhD, uh, a certified uh, clinical nutritionist, uh, trained in pharmacy, uh, but he is a microbiome scientist and an expert on the relationship between the microbiome and human health. And if you think you've uh, heard this uh, line of reasoning before, well, think again, because it's a fast-moving picture. Research is proceeding apace, and Dr. Pelton is uh, right on top of the latest developments in microbiome science. So we're going to take a look at uh, some of the new findings that link uh, microbiome uh, balance to overall health and well-being. Uh, Ross, it's a pleasure having you back on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks for joining us. And, and by the Thanks, way, also, uh, Ross is, um, uh, has joined uh, Essential Formulas, uh, has served as their scientific director, uh, and um, he is a, an advocate of Dr. Ahira's probiotics. So, um, Welcome back. And so, uh, what's, what's been happening? I, I hear you're busily at work on a new uh, series of articles that uh, focus on some of the timely issues that confront us. That's true, Dr. Hoffman. Uh, you know, we've still got a, a pandemic going on that's threatening a lot of people. And, and the message that you and I promote all the time is we need to teach people how to have a stronger immune system. That's that's the underlying problem. Uh, I think one of the reasons we have such a high incidence and death rate of the from the pandemic in the United States is because we have horrible health care in this United States. Uh, everybody, a high number of people have metabolic syndrome and cardiovascular disease and on and on and on, and we're not teaching people how to be healthy. Can I just interject here? Because you, know, you, you said we have horrible health care here, and there's a sort of a paradox going on is that, uh, in fact, our, you know, look, there's a lot of problems with our healthcare system, no question, but we have a lot of health care. We expend a lot of dollars per capita on health and on drugs and on surgical interventions in this country. But when it comes to delivering health outcomes, well, that's where we're falling short because compared to the rest of the world, 
It's amazing to me. It's just shocking that the United States leads the world uh, in, uh, in, in COVID-19 deaths. I mean, with all the countries in the world that have poor sanitation, uh, undernutrition, poverty, it's the United States, the UK, and Western Europe that are getting hit hardest. Incredible. You bet. Yeah, it's, it's really astounding. Although I differentiate between healthcare and disease care. Yep. And our healthcare system is basically a disease care system. Uh, we really aren't teaching and promoting health. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a, you know a critical distinction. And uh, of course, a lot of the emphasis in relationship to COVID nineteen, our response is about uh, making sure that people get the vaccine, which you know we applaud that you know this is sure. an amazing scientific advance that they were able to turn around in such in record time uh, and create vaccines that uh, hopefully will be protective. And and then you know new high tech medications, uh, new treatments, uh, advanced therapies, but. Goodness gracious, not enough emphasis on the underlying problems that make us vulnerable. You're right. And one of the things I've been talking a lot about recently are the uh, COVID risk factors that are related to the gut microbiome. And so that's a, a pretty interesting story because um, traditionally up to now, medicine is primarily focused on COVID-19 being a respiratory disease. Um, but now we're starting to see that there's real serious and multiple connections with uh, risk factors for COVID being directly related to the microbiome. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and narrowly construed, the microbiome are the bacteria that are in our gastrointestinal tracts. But the microbiome is much more pervasive. There's a microbiome on our skin. There's a microbiome in our mucous membranes, in our nasal passages, in our oropharynx, in our mouths and throats, and even in our lungs, right? Yep, you bet. And so it, it's... Uh, really throughout our entire body. Um, but as we talk about probiotics and this new term we call postbiotic metabolites, we're really focusing on the gut microbiome as the primary source and of risk factors that are related to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, the gut, it sounds like it's, it's remote from where uh, people get hit hardest with COVID. Uh, people get uh, you know respiratory problems. It's in the lungs. Is, is what's the relationship? Well, we're finding out that an individual's intestinal microbiome can influence uh, the severity of COVID and also the um, the death rate. And so we're really starting to take a closer look at this microbiome connection. And as we look at people that are infected with COVID, we find they have a dysregulated microbiome. They had dysbiosis. And it's kind of a, a chicken and egg situation, I think, because people who get COVID will end up having dysbiosis. And on the other hand, people that have dysbiosis have a greater risk mm-hmm. of developing or being infected by COVID. So it works both ways, but in either way, you want to teach people how to create and maintain a healthier microbiome. Oh, so that's interesting. Is Not only does a dysregulated microbiome make you more vulnerable to COVID, but it, it turns out that COVID itself may damage the microbiome and perhaps leave people vulnerable to problems down the line, uh, or perhaps they could turn into long haulers. You know, this this phenomenon yeah, that's exactly. such a great problem. You see, I don't worry so much about getting COVID. You know, maybe I'm you know fool's paradise, but, you know, I think I could survive it, you know, despite the fact that, you know, technically I'm in that age of uh, vulnerability, <laughs> you know, over 60. But... Um, uh, I'm worried that, you know, what happens if I develop like a chronic fatigue-like syndrome long-term? You know, that that's concerning. 
Yes, but I'm in the same uh, category with you in that I really am not worried about COVID personally because I take all of these steps to keep a healthy immune system. So I'm using Dr. Here's probiotics and taking my daily vitamin C and understand the importance of zinc and boosting glutathione levels. So um, I'm really not worried about it. And uh, although I still want to take healthy measures and wear my mask and all that sort of thing. Well, reassuringly, there is a, a case report out of uh, France recently where a the oldest person in Europe, a 116-year-old nun, and they've documented this. They have her birth certificate. It's not one of these, you know, phony baloney situations. She really is 116. Mm-hmm. She's blind. She's wheelchair bound, but she's living. And mm-hmm. she just tested positive for covid but she had a mild case and she survived. <laughs> okay, so go figure. <laughs> that yeah, should provide well, reassurance think, to all of us who are, you know, uh, aging baby boomers. You bet. So, uh, you know, clearly uh, we can modify our, our risk. And, you know, and I think that uh, that's part of an all of the above approach. Yes, we want the vaccine. We want the technological advancements. Uh, we want the, you know, so appropriate social distancing and masking, not to the point where we completely shut down society, because actually uh, in a run up to this, in a prelude to our uh, conversation today, we were just chatting, you know, while I was getting uh, warming up the studio here, we were talking about the terrible toll this is taking on uh, children, uh, a big article in the Wall Street Journal uh, stating that the problem of childhood obesity, which was a big problem looming well before COVID, uh, has yeah. just exploded. Uh, you know, metabolic problems in kids virtually unknown prior to you know recent decades, uh, and now with COVID, uh, not enough activity, uh, being homebound, you know, being locked into screens, not working. Yeah, and obesity obesity is a risk factor for COVID also. So it's, it's just everything's getting worse. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So we, we also talked a little bit about uh, something called the PREDICT study, which is kind of a, a landmark study. I talked uh, recently to the uh, one of the authors of that study, the lead author, uh, Dr. Tim Spector from the UK. Uh, and what they did in that study, it's very interesting, they, they created an app for people so that people could talk about their experiences with uh, COVID. Uh, and But also, they, uh, in conjunction with that, they analyzed uh, their uh, intestinal composition using some of the very latest tools to analyze stool, uh, which involve high throughput analysis, genetic testing, you know, they test for the DNA of various species. And uh, they found a very strong correlation between A, cardiovascular risk, uh, and B, uh, COVID outcomes in people who um, participated in this, this unprecedented huge survey. It's called the PREDICT study. You're all over mm-hmm. that, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big one for sure. And uh, they found a, a very strong relationship between the severity of COVID-19 and and uh, the microbiome and the differences that people have. And, and there's certain uh, good bugs, good bacteria, and then there's some bad bacteria. Some of our yeah. some of the helpful species uh, seem to confer protection. And you know, you've talked in the past about what's called immunological crosstalk. Can you explain that? Well, um, 
we have uh, bacteria that create signals that communicate with our immune system and bacteria themselves can communicate within each other in our gastrointestinal tract and they're also not only sending signals to the immune system they're sending signals to the brain so this there's this amazing communication that goes on by these very smart bugs in our body um, they've created a community communication system probably millions of years before humans ever even appeared on the earth and they're still communicating in us on a regular basis and that communication is really a key regulator for a lot of aspects of our health and, and the proof of the pudding is uh, experiments which with what are called uh, sterile gut animals animals that yeah. uh, are raised in sterile environments and they're given massive doses of antibiotics to kill off all their bacteria in their intestinal tract. So you would think, oh, you know, less bacteria, the better. You know, make uh, the GI tract like, uh, you know, a clean toilet bowl that's been Sterile. cleared out with, mm -hmm. with Lysol. But those animals are very, very sick. Uh, they're metabolically yeah. dysregulated. They're, they're vulnerable to the, to the slightest pathogen. Yeah, that they're they're used a lot in research now, and actually, they those animals are born via C-section, so they don't get exposed mm -hmm. to the uh, the mother's vaginal uh, bacteria, and so that's they've created these sterile mice, and they're used a lot in research. Um, well, one thing, another thing, I've been I've been emphasizing a lot, Doctor Hoffman, is that uh, they found that the SARS-CoV-2 virus can actually enter the body orally and get carried by the saliva into our GI tract. And they find out that the virus gets inactivated in the strong acidic environment in the stomach, which is a pH of around two or three. But a lot of people are taking um, drugs that disrupt uh, the pH or acid suppressing drugs. And that creates a greater risk for COVID because those bacteria and the viruses don't get killed and they get into your GI tract and then they start to replicate and get into your body and travel throughout your whole system. So it turns out that this GI tract is really um, a critical, critical access point for the viruses, not just the, the lungs. Does that mean we have to worry about uh, that uh, burrito that was delivered via DoorDash? Well, you know? <laughs> not so much just the burrito, but uh, proton pump inhibitors and H2 blockers mm -hmm. and antacids, everything that suppresses acid growth, are going to let the virus get through and into your gastrointestinal system. Yeah, I, I wonder about that when I hear about these uh, you know, terrible uh, cruise ships uh, uh, outbreaks uh, of uh, you know, viral infections. Uh, you know, where half the ship gets uh, sick, but then the other half doesn't. And, you know, usually, uh, you know, look at the demographic, the typical person who goes cruising, they're retirees, they're older people, a very high percentage of whom take these acid blocking medications. And yeah. I wonder, you know, have they done studies? I, probably they haven't, but they really should on how many of those people were taking acid blockers. And is right. that a predisposing factor? Uh, I think it, it would be. You bet. I, I don't know of a study that's actually made that uh, comparison or looked at the types of drugs that people are taking who have high risk and bad outcomes, but it'd be a good thing to do. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be sponsored by GlaxoSmithKline. You know, that probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't be spending the big bucks to demonstrate that uh, they're rendering people uh, very susceptible to infections. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this vital message with you. Here it goes. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Biomega Fish Oil from Biotics Research. 
For over 40 years, Biotics Research has been providing the highest quality supplements, surpassing industry standards. Biomega Fish Oil contains therapeutic doses of vital omega-3s in the triglyceride form, which is highly bioavailable. Biotics Research ensures maximum purity and freshness by managing their fish oils from catch to capsule, verified by rigorous independent testing. For more information, go to drhoffman.com slash biotics That's drhoffman.com slash biotics for Biomega Fish Oil. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to today's guest, Dr. Ross Pelton. Why do we have such messed up microbiomes? What are, you know, what are some of the predisposing factors to dysbiosis or, or a messed up GI tract? Sure. Well, there's a number of key factors. Uh, I wrote an article called uh, Microbiome Disrupting Drugs, where I talk about not just the antibiotics, but uh, all these acid blockers and birth control pills. I mean, there's a whole hmm. list of drugs that can interrupt your microbiome. That was published in the medical journal, the Townsend Letter, in 2019. And then another thing is um, processed food diets and a lack of fiber in the diets. And and now we're finding out that there's a relationship be- between vitamin D and risk factors to COVID. And over time, there's a, a greater uh, vitamin D deficiency. In fact, that itself is a global epidemic, which I think is tied into your immune system and risk factors to COVID, as well as your microbiome. And so the these are just multiple things that tie into the, the microbiome dysbiosis condition that we talk so much about. And we have to mention, you know, you talked about these these poor sterile animals born by C-section and then given massive doses of antibiotics. It seems like uh, we have, uh, you know, human uh, sterile rats uh, when it comes to our <laughs> pediatric population. I mean, I hate to put it that yeah. way, but, you know, it, it's it's like we're conducting an experiment to see how much of the uh, a microbiome we can eradicate uh, in our young yeah. people, especially uh, with uh, defensive medicine, you know, a little bit of an earache or you have a sore throat and, you know, God forbid. So parents are anxious and you wing them a prescription for antibiotics. Yeah, for a lot of kids, they get eight to 10 rounds of antibiotics before they're even two years old. So just like the, the rats and mice we're talking about that are sterile, um, these kids have just got a, a terrible risk to their long-term immune system because they've just uh, had their gut microbiome knocked out by multiple rounds of antibiotics. And I've often wondered about this because we drink uh, chlorinated and fluoridated water, and we even apply more fluoride to a kid's teeth. And we know that these things uh, kill beneficial bacteria. And, uh, you know, I swim in a chlorinated pool and I, you know, it gives me a a measure of confidence that I'm not going to get some kind of infection. And, you know, the water's kind of funky because too many people use in the pool. Uh, But uh, if we drink that stuff, uh, they can't be good for our guts. No, it's not. And yeah, I think people are basically way too bacteria phobic. I mean, everybody's obsessed about using these hand sanitizers, which are really promoting the growth of antibiotic resistant bacteria. Um, And so and there's actually some interesting studies that are making connections between the hygiene hypothesis and COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and uh, where people that live in rural environments um, end up having a stronger immune system because they've gotten exposed to more bacteria in their childhood and developed a stronger immune system. So that's another key factor that's Mm -hmm. being looked at. Yeah, and and I've made this point, and when this uh, COVID-19 began, I thought, oh my goodness, you know, uh, we in the United States, we have good sanitation, and we have, you know, uh, a good medical system. But what about the third world, you know, countries uh, in Latin America and countries like India, Pakistan, uh, and uh, sub-Saharan Africa? And I thought that there would just be millions and millions and millions of deaths in those countries that would just ravage those countries. Well, it turns out, yeah, it's serious, no question. Uh, and look, you know, to be truthful, they, they have a westernized diet has been introduced in many parts of the third world. But they're doing better than we yep. are. In a, and yep. it's a paradox, isn't it? Yep, it is. And and they're relating it a lot to this hygiene hypothesis. And, um, and also, it, they're looking at population density and finding out that people live in um, dense cities like New York um, and uh, parts of India um, in the big cities, those people have higher risk because of the stresses and the crowding and so forth. And, and pollution perhaps too. And, yeah. Big cities get less sunlight and less UV rays. So there's the vitamin D connection. It's, there's a lot of really interesting connections. And another factor that's been implicated in the destruction of the microbiome is uh, the introduction of, of glyphosate or Roundup uh, oh. into our agriculture. Because, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it kills pests, but it also has a tendency to suppress bacterial growth. Yes, it, it kills the microbiome in humans, but it's also, I think, more importantly, killing the microbiome on planet Earth. I think uh, glyphosate yeah. is one of the worst sins against humanity in, of all times. Mm-hmm. It, because the soil has a microbiome, and that's important to its renewal and its carbon capture. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. you know. So, all right. So, so clearly, there's a lot of factors uh, that conspire to undermine our uh, microbiome. So, in uh, in part two, I want to talk a little bit about uh, how we can nurture and support uh, our microbiome. Because, uh, well, you know, we broadcast the bad news. Uh, we want to provide some solutions, <laughs> some news that people can use uh, in order to um, uh, replenish and restore. Uh, their bacterial integrity. So uh, that's where uh, probiotics and prebiotics and postbiotics come in. We're going to define some of those terms uh, when we return. Our guest is uh, Dr. Ross Pelton. Uh, Dr. Pelton is uh, a microbiome scientist, and he's a scientific director for Essential Formulas, makers of uh, a couple of very interesting products that are germane to the situation. We'll talk about those when we return. You can get more information about uh, Dr. Hira's probiotics uh, at EssentialFormulas.com. Their products are available uh, through Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and other natural health retailers across the U.S. And um, you can uh, also uh, access information and order at EssentialFormulas.com. We'll find out more about those products when we return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 